It's very commonly said that the root of most human unhappiness is the sense that one's life has no meaning. This is, I suppose, most frequently said in circles that are interested in psychotherapy because that their feeling of meaninglessness is often equated with the existence of neurosis. So many activities into which one is encouraged to enter, uh, one is also encouraged to believe in skepticism and religion and science. These all commend one's thirst for knowledge. I think it's very fascinating to think out of what this idea itself means or what it is, what it's intended to say when it is said that life has a purpose, that purpose is more than procreation. I remember so well as a child listening to sermons in a church in which the preacher would constantly refer to God's purpose for you and for me. And I could never make out what this was because when questioned about this, the Reverend uh, seemed to be evasive. What is the purpose of God for the world? We used to sing a hymn too. God is working his purpose out as the year succeeds the year. And the nearest clue that one could get from this abstract to say the least the conclusion to be drawn from this is actually just the beginning you see you have power Marcus Aurelius said it he said you have power over only one thing that is your mind you do not hold dominion over any outside influence. Realize this and those outside factors become irrelevant, laughable. They become minute and eventually they will yield to you. For you are in control of the most powerful entity in your world. Your mind. You see, you cannot allow yourself to be controlled by these intruding circumstances. For the fate of a man be as free as his mind. Sheepishly living at the mercy of what happens to them because they are blind to the fact that they possess the shepherd's power. The power that created those circumstances. If only they knew that the fault was theirs and theirs alone, then maybe the realization of a remedy could be met. Or should I say, 
could be made, rather. Made just like the problems and the pains, the turmoil and the obstacles, as to the boundaries and the limitations, in the same way that these crippling atrocities have only been concocted by our own cognition. In the manner in which they have been granted residency by our way of inadequacies and fear. So too lives somewhere within us the ability to cripple the crippler, to fill whatever hole yields hesitation. It is as much our duty to create a path to a positive conclusion, which, as I said, is just a new beginning. As it was our subconscious's self-sabotaging ways that are responsible for the advent of our adversity. It is me who is to blame for the pain that I feel. It is me who is at fault for the hurt. So it has to be in turn and in due time me who does what need to be done to acquire release. To remove ourselves from the snare that we have trapped ourselves within while watching. You see, nobody has gotten you stuck. No one has forced you into this hell. And nobody is going to help you out. Until you do. Yet we watch. As if... As if we are the main character in a movie as opposed to the main character in our world. And we wonder how, when, who, how, when, who. Will I get out of here? Does it end? Will help me. You see, somebody has to go and help that poor, sad, sap free himself from that snare. I mean, I would help, but my leg is stuck. Catch 22. Rock and a hard place. Are you stuck in a pickle or a conundrum? No, not at all. The only thing that we are stuck in between is past and present. See, problematically living at the mercy of your past makes it a prison and living for the promises made from other people makes you a fool. See, the past is meant to be an experience that has run its course. It needs to be a portion of your journey ever forward. Every single part of your past, the good, the bad, the in-between. You see, far too often we allow ourselves the incapacitating burden of dwelling. 
Not so much dwelling on those in-betweens. Quite often, we dwell on the joys of triumph. Or on the small victories that we believe have made us the person that we are today. See, we will sit here and tell the stories of glory as many times as we can to as many people that will listen. And each time we embellish the magnitude of the obstacles. We act as if we have done more than any man has done before to overcome the same obstacles. See, we also choose to omit more and more of the parts of these stories in which actual character was built. The things within the things that make the things within us better. We'll tell ourselves that we were the happiest ever. We were successful. We were at the top of the world at that particular point. So we subconsciously seek sanctuary within the memory of our moment. All the while we are not acknowledging the forward halt that those glorious memories are putting on our chances of progression. You see, if you were meant to dwell in that particular portion of your life, then you would still be there. If it were to be the focal point of your attention that it would be the now. See, what that experience has imparted in you, all of the wisdom that you have gained from it, the progression that has come as a result of it, those are the things that are meant to be taken with you forward into the next best time of your life. So, as I have hinted at already, even of things past that we consider good, we must find a way to let them live in their proper place. See, while it is possible to disregard this bit of disregard in which I hope to impart in you and still make progressive moves... This next entanglement seems to have a flawless record against humankind. See, being a person who allows the pain and the anguish which has been since overcome to hold residence over, excuse me, to hold precedence over the joys that we have yet to meet or make rather. That affords us the undeniable fight, which not only cannot be won, it is a fight which can't be fought. When we allow the letdowns of yesterday and the humiliation of failure to overshadow the impartation of lessons learned, we find ourselves in an absolute war that even if possible to fight would not be worth winning. 
I mean, how does one embellish those things that hurt you so? How do you choose to run back to the pain that you felt because you felt it? How are the things that shaped you more important than any of the things that will shape you? I mean, all of these things that have actual positive promising progressive qualities how do you not see them as the only thing important to today holding on to resentment of your parents or the hatred of an ex all that will do will cause digression it will morph you it will change what you once considered a good heart into nothing more than broken bait. Which at most times, unbeknownst to us, at some point that will be used to lure in the next, I think this is the one. Hook, line, and sinker. With no choice, with no conscious concern for anyone. The hurt that was more intense than the love is now burned so deep within the memory banks of your heart that it does as any other bank does. It multiplies. It appreciates. It accures, accrues interest. So each time you look back, you check the balance of that account. You feel the hatred growing and the future fading. So let go. If you are incapable of draining that account, just let it go. In no way am I saying that you should forget where you've come from. No way am I asking you to overlook what you've overcome. And in some extreme cases, I won't even say that you should forgive. What I am saying is, for the sake of you, let go. Let the past be just that. An experience in which you were blessed enough to get through. No point in turning around. No point in doubling back to see if there is another way around it. To see if you can get over it or if you can go under it. Don't even go looking for... A different way to get through it. You have made it through now onward. Go. You see. We must all suffer from one of two pains. The pain of discipline. Or the pain of regrets. 
And this is a decision. This is where the free will comes in. This is where your actions of today shape tomorrow and today you are living yesterday's. The decision will be made whether you consciously make it or not. And majority of the time, we miss that moment. That decision has been made. The moment when the act of choosing discipline presented itself to us, we have turned a blind eye to. So we force ourselves to the latter. We have to get off at the last stop on the line, so to speak. The point of no return is past. The moment where all there is is regret and resentment towards yourself because you know it could be different. As I said, two options. The pain of discipline, the pain of regret. Now, the pain of discipline, which may seem like no fun because it's scheduled. The undesirable responsibility of doing what needs to be done. That is something that is completely in your control. It is something that you know you must face. Maybe that's why so many people pretend to miss it. See, it may be a bit heavy to choose the work. And it does come at the expense of your will. But I can attest from first-hand perspective that the weight of discipline's pain and the anxiety that it causes, the impending trials, truth, and eventual triumphs all still hurt. Yet they absolutely fail in comparison to the tons of pain which comes standard with regret. This regret that is absolutely unavoidable. If you miss your shot at discipline without a shadow of a doubt at some point comes regret the pain of regret it's unregulated see it's uninvited and it is untamed it has no hours of operation it has no regard for human life and it is definitely definitely not scheduled for an end date this pain that's brought by regret resonates. Yet the pain brought by discipline is just the opposite. Aside from the fact that it too is inevitable, it is a tool. It can be your most powerful tool in the enormous job that is known as self-progression. See, the pain of discipline is a firm hand 
steering you towards betterment. It allows itself to put just as much pressure as needed to turn coal into diamond. But no more. And see, once that transformation has occurred, once you have allowed discipline to change you from what you were to who you are, the pain of discipline shows itself out. In good faith, in good standings, giving assurities on its way out, positive affirmations, enlightening you to the fact that if ever there be a day in which discipline is needed again, he is nothing but a call away. In fact, he's already there. The pain of regret leaves us looking at yesterday. The pain of discipline doesn't allow anything but progression. It will sit you down, shut you up, and make you realize what need fixing. So what will it be? Discipline or regret? Don't miss your chance to choose again. Look, mental toughness is durability in the face of adversity. No one was born with it, but to acquire it, it only takes hard work and a little bit of commitment from anybody willing. It's just like working any muscle group. It takes repetition, 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 and results. But it's not just when shit's going smoothly, my people. It's not just when everything is rainbows and golden butterflies. It's about when your back's against the wall and shit's hitting the fan and it's hitting you in the face. When the stress won't rest, do you fold or do you move forward? Do you crumble or do you bear down, bite the bullet and stay the course? Do you allow all these what ifs to rule the only what now? See, if you allow stress to sitter itself on your psyche, then all of the subsequent rumination is your fault. And it's also the source of consequences that are to come. I put it like this, people. Stress stems from the expectation of things to come, both real and perceived, especially the latter. But mental toughness allows you to evade the barrage brought on by that pressure. Mental toughness allows you to bob and weave. They say that pressure bursts pipes. Mental toughness says pressure makes diamonds. So thrive in the face of adversity. Stand up, stand strong, 
stand up, stand strong. See, you can't forget about the self-doubt, though. Because stand up, stand strong, I can do that all damn day long for my seat. But I don't know if I can get up. Self-doubt is questioning our ability to overcome obstacles. Stand up, stand strong. Oh, my feet hurt. Self-doubt leaves us lost. Mental toughness doesn't kill self-doubt. Instead, it does the opposite. It actually brings it to the forefront of your attention, but only in the hopes that it strengthens your battle with self-doubt because everybody has that battle. Everybody fights the fight of despair and desperation, despair and desperation, despair and desperation. Some people fight it on the offensive and some on the defensive. Despair and desperation, despair and desperation. Those are only negative when you put your focus on fear and failure. Despair and desperation are fuel. Failure is a non-escapable component of success, my people. I'll say it again. Failure is a non-escapable component of success. Real success, that is. Success that seeks selfs. Success that shows self. Failure is an inevitable part of life. I'm telling you, you show me a person, show me one person who has never failed at anything in their entire life, and I'll show you a person who I believe sets their standards for success way too fucking low. I'll show you a person who simply limits their opportunities by smothering their possible success, despair and desperation. See, we fear the unknown, despair and desperation. We fear what we don't know. That is one of the most common hurdles that succeeds at tagging despair and desperation as a negative entity. Despair and desperation is drive. See, there are plenty of struggles and all they want to do is derail our progressive train. They want to put a hitch in our giddy up. Well, give it up. Despair and desperation are my dreams. Despair and desperation are yesterday. Despair and desperation might want to be doom and gloom, but despair and desperation is what fueled the man to the moon. Look. What mental toughness does, it 
allows us the possibility to erode that fear slowly, surely, consistently. Mental toughness chips away at the comfort zone that we have put ourselves in and it gives us the opportunity to grow. Mental resilience, mental toughness, mental fortitude, mental grit, The ability to bounce back when you bottomed out. Despair and desperation. Mental fortitude is the ability to bounce back when you bottomed out. Despair and desperation. Mental toughness equips you with the tenacity. It gives you the grit. It provides you the confidence. And it conjures up the courage for you to see failure for what it actually is, a welcomed hiccup. Despair and desperation, I've fallen now, I must go further. Despair and desperation, mental toughness gives you 2020 high definition, 1080p, absolute Absolute in-depth perception of what failure actually is. It's a stepping stone. It's nothing more than a mere hiccup. It's not some catastrophic certainty. Failure is not an inevitability. And one thing for sure it is not is an ending. Despair and desperation. Get up. Mentally tough people realize that life throws curveballs. Mentally tough people also know this isn't a game. Who cares if it's a curveball, a knuckleball, a fastball? Who cares? We are not playing a game. This is life, despair, and desperation. People lacking mental toughness are often surprised and sometimes even paralyzed by these unforeseen situations, despair and desperation. A small unexpected development could lead to arrested development, despair and desperation, but being equipped properly will allow you to hold fast. It will give you what you need to stand out in front of and above the pack. You will learn how to adapt. Despair and desperation. You will learn how to act. Despair and desperation. Mental toughness trains us how to be durable. Flexible even. Hmm. Who cares if I'm confronted with those unexpected dilemmas? Despair and desperation drives me forward. It will allow me to adopt adaptability. A man of many hats. See, to amass success in this, we must first get a sense of self, despair and desperation. So, what is self-awareness? Despair and desperation. One's recognition of his own mental, emotional, and spiritual self, which drives his decision-making temperament and personality. Despair and desperation. 
a person who recognizes his own mental aptitude be the altitude he can climb. Despair and desperation. Feed the mind. It's tough. Despair and desperation drive us to make decisions that influence us in the who the hell we are right now that we are here. Despair and desperation. 